Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Punk Till I Die podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tom, and somewhere out there is Neil. Say hello, Neil. Hey, Tom. So what episode is it? What episode are we up to, my friend? One, 172. 172. Gotcha. Yeah. Let me, just burning let me, through let me these tell you a little, Let me tell you a little story, Neil. Tell me a story. When I was, uh, when I was in a couple years ago, a few years ago, pre-pandemic and everything, I went to this punk festival and i was still writing for punk news so i got everything gratis actually but it was called punk and drublick or camp anarchy or something you've heard me complain about it because it was literally the least anarchic thing i'd ever seen in my life it was more like checking yourself into a gulag and paying <laughs> paying hundreds of dollars but all the you know all the bands played but the one bright spot of that is i met a bunch of people there and i met a bunch of guys from pittsburgh who i'm still real friendly with but i also met a couple people from baltimore okay so i i've been uh my buddy from Baltimore was has been telling me about this band, and I checked them out on you know I streamed them of course, and then I actually had one of my other buddies in Baltimore bought me the record and sent it to me. So I'm actually excited to talk to tonight a guy who made one of my favorite records this year, and his name is Justin, and he's the singer for the Meth Rats. So how you doing, Justin? I'm good, guys. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Of course. It's- it's funny, right? So we we were talking earlier, and maybe we will again. So we had the Ravagers, uh, Hagen from the Ravagers on earlier this year, and now you're from the more or less from the Baltimore area too. Is I mean, you guys, is there a good scene going on in Baltimore, or did we just get lucky and get like two good records from Baltimore in the same year? Is it like a rarity? <laughs> well, I think uh, Baltimore is kind of in one of those like uh, Renaissance periods again. You know, you got like bands like Turnstile that are just completely out there, just blowing up right now. Um, and that paves the way for a lot Baltimore? of people. Are they from Baltimore? I thought they were from and, Chicago or something. Okay, no, so dude, Turnstile's from, from okay. yeah, Turnstile's from Baltimore. Um, oh, okay. So okay. yeah, yeah. So you, you know, you got that paved in a lot of ways uh, for a lot of bands, just because it's like you know drawing a little bit more attention to our scene. Um, sure. If there if there is one thing that our scene is for sure, it's definitely diverse. Um, I mean, you got pretty much every subculture or subgenre. I mean, of uh, rock and roll, punk rock, metal, hardcore whatever um it's all there um we have a budding uh uh artist community we, you know we have micah the maryland institute college of art um you know right mm-hmm. here and smack dab in the middle of our uh of our scene so to speak right in our uh neighborhoods of like charles village and hamden and uh yeah it just breeds a lot of great music so um like depending on whatever you're looking for baltimore probably has it um and that's something that i'm really proud of our city for that's so cool. it's because it's funny because you guys really sound wise couldn't be more different within the punk rock spectrum than Ravagers. They're very much like a punk rock and roll band. You guys are definitely I mean, I call you a hardcore band, a little bit of maybe thrash in there. Yeah, it, yeah, for sure. If you go to a bill, I mean, are you going to get a mixed bag of a bill? Are you going to get like a, a Ravagers and a Meth Rats and a Good Men Doing Nothing? Or is that too much of a variety for one bill? Yeah, that definitely can happen in Baltimore, um, especially at like one of the uh, the bustling new uh, venues like Holy for Holies, um, where it's just a lot of um, bands DIY booking there, putting together shows with their friends. And yeah, that's definitely something you could see. But the other cool <laughs> thing about Baltimore getting like a little bit more attention right now is that other bands that are kind of like, you know, in the same type of genre or sound that you guys are doing are coming through and looking for shows constantly. So Baltimore is kind of a hot spot, you know, it's and the cool thing about our city, too, is the vast uh, selection of venues. So you have everything from small floor show type places um, to art spaces, art spaces with stages. Um, and then, of course, like your big 200, 300, 500,000 person clubs. 
Hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so everything in between there, it's, it just makes it a hot spot for, for touring bands. So yeah, you could see something that's sort of all uh, sort of the same flavor, so to speak, give or last, give or take. Uh, but you could also see something that's mixed up because you know everybody that's friends wants to play together, and that's another cool thing about our community. Do you have any uh, like real old school clubs? You know, going back to the day kind of thing. Or like, is it yeah, still there. Yeah, I mean the the big you know the big ones to speak of are definitely the Out of Bar, even though the Out of Bar is not in its original location. It used to be in like Midtown Baltimore, um, and uh, it was in a you know, kind of, it looked like an alley, basically. That's where the old auto bar was. But, of course, all of that lore and everything got carried when they went up to North Howard Street, where it's been for the past, I don't know, 20-plus years or something like that. Hmm. Uh, and then the sidebar, of course, has been around. But they didn't do so well, I guess, during the uh, the pandemic. So there's been, like, GoFundMes and stuff by interested parties to try to keep the place afloat. As of right now, I don't think the sidebar is booking any shows. So um, other than that, like, that's kind of like, you know, uh, like, the main Baltimore, uh, you know, uh, iconic venue is pretty much auto bar for any any type of indie punk at all, whatever. Hmm. Well, so, I had to uh, Neil. I had to. I name dropped earlier my uh, my pals and Good Men Doing Nothing because those are the guys who. It was actually Chris, the singer, who actually told me about Meth Rats in the first place, and it was Justin who bought me the record, and then Chris, I think, had to send it. So like they've all had their hands in my meth rats fandom. So I want to, I want to kind of drop their, drop their name. So Chris and Justin, thanks dudes. No, so we I'll tell you what we saw. Well, hold, hold, hold on a second. So we saw, I was gonna say, let's throw a song at Neil. Well, the I know, like one minute long. I was just going to say, didn't, didn't, didn't we meet them at punk rock bowling last year? At least one of them. Yes. Yes, we did. As a matter of fact, they also were at the, that Maryland uh, festival that I went to that Savage mountain, which is ah. a really cool, smaller festival too. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Meth okay. rats be great at that. But anyway, I digress. Anyway, okay. what's so, so did you? So so we're gonna play songs mostly from the new record, which is called Ultimate Culprit, and we got one from like your first uh, EP, right? So do you have any preference for what order we play these things, Justin? No, I kind of would like to just riff off of the order that you guys do. I think that that sounds like a fun idea. Uh, but one correction: that EP is actually the middle record. So we have uh, the debut full length. Um, that was the one that just Ben and myself recorded. Um, and it just started okay. as kind of like a fun project for us. That was just the self-titled. And then we did Trigger Finger, and that was what we released this fall. Um, and then Ultimate Culprit followed that. Okay. So, Neil, why don't you just grab one of those songs at random, and we'll ask him what it's about. Because as far as I can tell, most of their songs are just about either like bad people <laughs> doing bad things or just people struggling through life in the city. Does that well, pretty much sum it up, or am I being too too simplified? Yeah, for sure. Uh, sometimes I, uh, I'm i a little too hard on myself, critically, lyrically, because I'm so on the nose with what I sing. But then I remind myself <laughs> that I just yell in a punk rock band, so it's like, fuck it. I mean, there you go. Why, why not get straight to the point? So uh, sometimes I sing metaphorically. It just depends on the, the mood while I'm writing. So, uh, yeah, gotcha. so let's check out that first hymn. Dude, hardcore people don't want metaphors. They want, they, they want to be punched <laughs> in the face. I don't know. Some of them do. You never know. Yeah, exactly. Except so, for those Turnstile fans, right? They're getting very bad. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> all right. So, all right. So, Neil, pick one, pick one, and we'll ask him what it's about. Okay, let's do uh, Lost in the Light from Triggerfinger. What, what is that one about? Oh, see, we're going yeah, to so, like, like uh, in, in order. Right? Yeah, chronological, Years, yeah. Right? That's, yeah. That's, I think that's cool because that's the only one that we're playing that's not off the new record. I think that's appropriate to start with that. Um, so that song actually has a great story. So there is a venue, in, or there was, and there's going to be again. But uh, <laughs> So let's, let's start at the beginning, shall we? So um, <laughs> the place is called... 
Skid Row garage, and it's a legendary, uh, literally a garage in uh, this guy MC Heiser's uh, back. It was like backyard. He had like this big garage, and it was just a legendary punk venue for about 12 years, where everybody would come through there. Um, you know, that needed just a small DIY type space. So, um, you know, a massive list of bands have gone through that venue and has a great um, history. And we were so excited because our first show back from the pandemic was going to be there. So MC asked us to play with his band Old Tigers, uh, who were friends and big fans of. And we were like, of course we'll play that. Like, yes, what an awesome way to come back from the pandemic. This was uh, last summer, last August, actually. And uh, <laughs> so the first band played, and they were good. They got everybody hyped up. Um, and we were supposed to be second. So band is coming off. We're getting ready to go on totally jacked because we're just like oh my god we're so excited to play we've been waiting for this you know we recorded a brand new record during the pandemic that we were still kind of keeping under wraps but we still couldn't wait to even play the old stuff and i went back to the sound guy and i told him i said hey man i was like just letting you know you know i'm gonna drop these we brought our own microphones so um, i'm just gonna drop these but we have the same setup as the first band and he was just like all right cool well you can just take them off right now because the fucking cops are here and I was like, what? So then I look over to my left, and I see this cop holding it. It looked like a scroll, and it looked like uh, the fucking scene from uh, Wizard of Oz when the mayor's like, (laughs) she's indubitably, indubitably dead. Like, you know, he's got this fucking list that he's reading. He's like, well, clearly you don't have your fire uh, code stuff up to date. Uh, or up to code. You don't have a bathroom. There's no running water. There's no sprinkler system. We're shutting this down. So I couldn't believe it. We were literally setting up on stage to to get ready to play. We were five minutes from playing our first show after the pandemic, and then that fucking happens. And then not only was that cop there, but he had about a dozen of his buddies in, like, the full fucking SWAT uh, gear. Of course he did. Of course uh, that he did. were all out there just in case things got out of control, right? <laughs> so total overkill, total uh, total bullshit display of power. And uh, it turned out that the, the whole reason why it got busted, because remember, this guy was doing this for 12 years without any fucking problems. So it gets busted uh, because he had <laughs> he had the first show back after the pandemic for the garage itself, and it was what was it July seventeenth, and that's like seven one seven, and that's like the area code or something. So he had like the seven one seven show, and it was a huge blast, and there was lots of people there. Well, some kid went there uh, that it was his first punk show, and I don't necessarily agree with this. Somebody was throwing fireworks in the pit, and you know if somebody did that. If somebody did that while after after playing, I'll be honest with you, I would have been like, guys, you know, we got to get home tonight. There's no fucking back door to this joint. Let's not. You yeah, know, so 100%. Let's, let's yeah. show Fuck them the that. fireworks right yep. now. And, and, yeah, and, you know, so, I enjoy having two eyes, and there's there's certain things I enjoy in life, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, I, you know, it's like, man, I'm too old to be getting hit in the face with a fucking bottle rocket <laughs> while I'm on stage. So, uh, so I mean, but I get it at the same time. It's like, you know, these kids are rowdy, and they're going to be punks as punks, right? Yeah. Very so, uh, yeah. so this kid gets hit in the leg with a firecracker. And don't ask me why or how, but his mom finds out. <laughs> Kids like a minor, you know, all ages venue, of course, total DIY. And then, you know, she gets pissed off. She's got a vendetta immediately. She calls the cops. And then from what we could understand, the cops basically set up a, uh, a sting. It was a, it was a planned bust uh, to go there in the middle of the goddamn show because they knew the show was happening because of all the flyers and all the social media uh, promo. So, and then there you go. Then that's it. So this song was written. We decided to record Trigger Finger on the way home. 
I was riding with Steve, my drummer, and uh, Ben and his girlfriend and uh, Warren and his, uh, they all drove separately. So on the way home, I was just like, we need to do something. Like, we don't have any shows planned now. I was like, we got a few songs banging around. I know I got a few demoed out. I was like, let's let's just record an EP. Like, we'll pick one day this month. So the guys came over. We just recorded it one day, and it was out within 60 days. And yeah. on cassette thanks to Decidious Records, so um, big ups to Brian Z for putting that out for us. Uh, but our, favorite, just, our, favorite, you know, our favorite format, like I said. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we still have a few of those left, um, and uh, once they're gone, they're gone. There was only 50 of those. So, yeah, we decided to write it on the way home, and this song, Lost in the Light, that is what that is about. Um, it's just about, uh, you know, the anger that we felt and the uh, the... The, the spell that's cast over us as musicians uh, once we're up on stage and doing what we really love. So that's the, that's the background of that story. Yeah. A short story, right? Yeah. yeah. Just long, <laughs> long, say, longer just, than the song. Ten-minute yeah. ten story long. for a one-minute song. Yes. Yeah. Exactly, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, go ahead and rip it. All right. So this is, uh, yeah, this is Meth Rats with Lost in the Light. First from Meth Rats there tonight with Lost in the Light. Yeah, I think that was a little over two minutes. That was a long one for you guys. Oh, it's a long one. Well, it's funny because oh, no, that's we were... under that's under two. Oh, see, I was just I was <laughs> I was just I, know, I was looking at it on YouTube, and it, I swear it said it was over two minutes, man. I swear yeah, it did. No, no, no. I'm pretty sure that's under two, but whatever. We don't need to argue about that. Yeah. The, uh, well, it's funny because <laughs> the the new full length, and I use the term loosely, is 12 songs, but it's just about 15 minutes long. Correct. But, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. not there's anything wrong with that. I mean, listen, what's better than listening to, like back from Samoa or Group Sex? These are 15 minute records, right? right. I mean, that's there's nothing yeah. nothing wrong with. It. I'd rather have 15 good minutes than like the 90s CDs where it's like 77 minutes of boredom. You know? Yeah. Dude, right. It's like it's like live shows, man. Nobody wants to see 45 minutes of the same. No, half hour, man. Just half don't hour. bore us. Get to the chorus and just yep. get the fuck on with it. Like, exactly. And that's kind of the approach we took. We were just like, all right, this will probably take up enough enough uh square footage on this 12 inch if we do it at 45 rpm <laughs> and so, it did so so you i i don't i don't know you but i know you've been around the scene for a long time because my one of my he said my one buddy said he's known you for 20 years or something and looking at your picture you don't seem like a real whippersnapper so what were you doing uh what were you doing before meth rats this is not your first rodeo apparently 
So, yeah, um, I mean, I grew up as a hardcore kid in the East Glen Burnie scene here. That's my hometown. Um, with is that, like is that in... Is that Delaware or is that is that Maryland or where's that? No, that's uh, Glen Burnie is basically South Baltimore. So oh, South um, Baltimore. If, okay. Yeah, if if uh, you know, I'd be a Sox fan if you compare it to like Chicago, right? Right, the, the right. South right. side. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm like eight minutes from the city line with no traffic. So um, yeah, so yeah, I came up in the you know in in that scene. I was first exposed to hardcore at a high school. Uh, you know, like a, a field day, I guess we called it, when Apathy played, and it was the first time I ever saw any kind of punk, hardcore, whatever, live. I must have been about 15 or 16 years old. Mm. And uh, it kind of blew my mind. You know, I saw all my friends, like, starting to go ape shit, like, you know, dancing, moshing, whatever the fuck you want to call it these days. And uh, I was just like, this is insane, dude. I've never seen anything like this. I was hooked immediately. Um, so I got into that. But I've always been really diverse with my genres. So I'm not like one of those uh, punk people that are just like, oh, if it's not punk, fuck it. I don't listen to that. You know, I listen to everything. Sure. You know, I love Tears for Fears. Um, I love 90s, you know, grunge and alternative. Do you, do you um, love all the bands that just got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Lionel oh, Richie. Uh... <laughs> I, do, I do love Lionel Richie. So, yeah. And, that, and, part of, and this all kind of ties into I'm a record producer as well. So it kind See, of like, ties you, into you some, that. Okay. I, I kind of thought you did Yeah, like, yeah. Okay. Yep. At about 20, I always knew that I wanted to be a record producer um, in some, you know, shape or form, like I would say since I was a teenager. So, uh, yeah, it was only natural that at about 20 or 21, whatever I was, I just went and got a uh, Guitar Center credit card and just maxed it out and just destroyed my credit for the better part of my adolescence um, <laughs> to build my studio. And uh, but not in vain. I mean, a lot of that stuff, I still have it and I use it to this day. Um, and I stay quite busy with that. Um, were you, were you yeah, playing that, in bands at that point too, or were you just just like focusing on? Yeah, out so yeah, for sure. Um, so I was in a band in the early 2000s. It was like a what do you want to call it? Post-hardcore screamo, whatever. Uh, mm. You know, stuff for kids at Hot Topic. You know, I was in one of those types of bands. <laughs> sure. We were we were I, called we were called This Year Past, and uh, we were a three. Most of your band budget was spent on black band. mascara. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> super super tight jeans. Yeah, and dumb haircuts. <laughs> Um, no, but you know, it was fun. Um, we put a lot of work into that band. So we did some small tours We the funniest claim to fame with that band was we were actually on the same label as all time low. Oh, uh, there was oh, no a, kidding. yeah, yeah, there was a, uh, there was a small label Robin, out of Baltimore. It? No, it was uh, Emerald moon records out of Baltimore. So this guy, Matt Boylan, um, I don't even know what happened to Matt. Um, I'm sure he's somewhere and doing well, but he had this label and, uh, yeah, he just signed pretty much exclusively bands from like the South Jersey, Pennsylvania, like Philly and Baltimore market. Uh, so is that, so we're all, t- are all time low from Baltimore too? They are completely. Yeah. hundred percent of Baltimore. So band. I mean, now so they're from funny. the North side. So I would be a white Sox fan. They would be Cubs fans. Okay. They're so, from, well, <laughs> they're from like the, the richer neighborhood Ooh. up North Timonium Towson. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're the Sox so, guys down here on the South. <laughs> my daughter, my daughter, who's about to turn 21, went through the emo phase like a lot of them did neil's daughter did too we were just talking about the the riot fest lineup how like if all the emo bands were on one day neil would have to bring his daughter but she was a big (laughs) all-time she was a big all-time low fan we actually i've actually seen all-time low twice i gotta say and it's definitely not tom that's an all-time low for you buddy matter of fact it does not make the it does not pass the what i would call the punk sniff test 
but no, whatever. <laughs> it's better than listen. You, now she's listening to pop music. I I miss her emo phase. I actually think her emo phase is much better than what she listens to now. But anyway, I was, anyway, that's beyond the point. But I, see, I'm learning all these. See, I didn't know all these bands are from Baltimore. Yeah, I yeah, we, that, I thought, uh, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't know that only because that's just like a big band that that might have just like been well, attached but, that they were. And but once again, that, they but. came out when I was like. 35 i didn't you know yeah I, you were not I, the key audience yeah no definitely not it, <laughs> you were only, not the target you know, i was i was the perfect age to be the pop pump singer uh you know victimizing like 17 year old girls i was the, that's the age i was <laughs> yeah, you would have fit the bill perfect for that exactly but well it's um, funny it's like you're like you were talking about that show in baltimore where the cops broke and i'm like baltimore might not be the murder capital of the world but it's in the conversation every year good to see they're using their police powers to uh you know, do important yeah, right. things like keep people from drinking beer and having fun. But. <laughs> totally, man. Yeah, that's and that was that was actually in New York. That was in South PA. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, that was a blower. But uh, yeah, but you know, that's what I did in the early 2000s, and then um, I was producing a lot of that kind of music. Okay, I was record like every band wanted to come in and get beat detected and triggered and auto tuned and have me write all their melodies. Oh, just being just being completely honest, like you know, this is these sure. are the days when I was still in mom's basement. I just got burnt out on that, and I and you know what's fucked up is like I don't have much nostalgia for that kind of music anymore. Because I got so burnt out on it, producing you and, it and overdoing it, and 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 like it's just like every fucking band wanted to sound the same, and it's just like, yeah. okay, and it, you know, I when I was doing it full time, I was I was I was producing records full time at that time, so I wasn't going to turn anybody down because you know that's basically food on my table. So you live, sure. Uh, but you know, it got to the point where like you know I started turning bands down because I was just less interested in doing that genre of music, so. Yeah. Um, during that time, I started, <laughs> I started, I kind of joke around and say, I listened to all the stuff from the eighties and nineties that I should have been listening to when I was like 20 through mm. 28. <laughs> so, um, you know, I spent a lot of time just like playing Jawbox records over and over and over again, listening to triple fast action, just absolutely fell in love with that band, uh, loving like local H and, uh, mm. just big, big, loud rock, like mm. garagey poppy, you know, it sounds like some punk dudes might have something to do with it, but we ended up, um, uh, I ended up writing a, a grip of songs and then I, uh, of course called on my best friend, Ben, who plays bass, in meth rats but he's actually his first instrument is drums he's incredible i think he's pound for pound one of the best drummers in maryland um he's insanely talented and of course it was going to be him that plays drums to the disarmer stuff so that was the name of this group was disarmer and uh you know me and him just got together wrote it demoed the stuff out and before we knew it we were playing shows and then we put out a couple eps um and that was a big departure and that plus in this year past i was playing drums keyboards and doing backup vocals that's what i did in that band um uh and any kind of sampling and sequencing you know all the shit like playing to a click track and all that dumb shit but you know Mm. just got completely overplayed uh i needed to break free from that so disarmor was a complete writing outlet for me uh where i was playing guitar and singing for the first time in a band um not too unlike you know like what dave Grohl did. you know he came out from Mm. behind the kit and uh grabbed the guitar and started writing songs and that's what i felt the need to do um, so I did that and what kind then, of, what, what kind of music was that, man? What was it, it like loud garage? I call it, we called it crunch. And I, that was kind of just a joke between us. Uh, we didn't really say that too often, but we called it crunch because it wasn't quite grunge. It wasn't like punk. It wasn't, you know, it, it, it was 
too punk for the pop guys, but too pop for the punk guys. So mm-hmm. we we kind of you know found ourselves in like a in a weird spot. Because I'm, um, I'm finding but a ba- we, but we played a lot of good shows. I'm finding a band called Disarmor on Discogs, and they have an EP called Merciless. Is that you guys or not? No, that's that's not us. So our two EPs um, were Dog Bite and Jack O' Lantern Smile, okay. and you can actually find you can actually find those on Bandcamp. They still exist. I don't okay. know how to fucking log into that account anymore. But they're there, and you can enjoy. So you're them. not getting paid for it. That's the important thing. Hell no, 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 no. And I was gonna say, like, was a pat. it's like the Dave Grohl story, minus the you know massive success and millions of dollars. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Zero success. So, so, yeah, all the sweat, none of the success. So uh, yeah, so Disarmor is what I did up until my daughter was born. And, well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you um, what. We're not gonna play a Disarmor song, but let's play another Meth Rat song. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Just because. We're going to get to the end of the story, and then we're going to have some songs left. So it's like it, it, we, we always struggle with this. So I'm going to really try to make a conservative effort to, like, every 10 minutes put a song in. Nice work. Nice yeah, work, nope. my friend. Yeah. Nice now, work. I may fail. I may fail, but that's going to be the goal. So what's next, Neil? What's the next song? Uh, let's do Illusion of Justice. So what what, what is this one about? I even though it seems yeah, pretty obvious, so, but, you know. So you guys have the uh, single version. You should anyway. Um, that It just goes right into the song. But this is obviously about uh, police brutality and the uh, in, in the parlance of our times here. So, hmm. um, you know, uh, it's something that I felt really strongly about um, during the pandemic. You know, I was on Twitter way too much um, and just watching stuff unfold as all this, you know, the civil unrest was happening. Everything with uh, with George Floyd, um, yep. you know, it, it, it hanged back to a Baltimore guy to the Freddie Gray stuff. Um, so it was just insane. Right. And then the beginning sample that's on the LP, when you first drop the needle, that's a real audio sample that I saw in real time on Twitter when, uh, when the police were policing the streets and they were shooting like sandbags or pepper balls at people and telling them to get back in their fucking house. It was a hmm. video. So it wasn't just a soundbite. It was a video. Then I saw it unfold on Twitter, like in real time. And I was sitting in my control room having a beer like i pretty much did all the time during the fucking pandemic <laughs> and uh i just immediately stuck a microphone up to my studio monitor and just recorded that audio hmm. from twitter uh because it moved me so much because those people were literally getting shot at uh you know an, under the the basically the premise of martial law right hmm. um so that really hit home to me really pissed me off and uh, illusion of justice was a song that um, I, I think rightfully so is the thing that kicks off our record that was uh, record, written, recorded, and uh, and pressed during the uh, tumultuous end of the Trump era. And that's the first track off the album, right? That's the opening track. It is. That's yeah. the opener. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's give that a spin. So this is Meth Rats with Illusion of Justice off of Ultimate Culprit. Enjoy. Systematic and a mess, they check that they have to be like this Where are we 
Okay, Math Rats with the second one tonight. That was Illusion of Justice. And on, on YouTube, I was looking, um, saw you guys doing that live. I don't know what that live event was that, that you guys were... Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? There was a, a live video of you guys on YouTube doing some kind of in-the-studio kind of thing? Yeah, so that was actually done in my studio. Was that when I was wearing the ridiculous shirt that said Get Lit or Get Lost on it and my hair was a mess? Um, um, that was that was probably our uh, Twitch TV live stream. That's probably what that was. Okay. Yeah, it was impressive, man. It was um, really tight. You guys were really tight. Thank you. And that was 100% live, nothing else on top of that. That was just done in my live room. Uh, and uh, believe it or not, Chris from Good Men Doing Nothing, he was operating the VHS camera. So okay. the whole idea for that entire shoot uh, was that when all the venues shut down and the pandemic first started, we started doing these uh, uh, virtual, we were calling them virtual punk gigs. Like, the, you know, people were putting together, there was this, um, oh my God, they're going to kill me for not remembering if they're listening to this, uh, what their uh, Twitch channel was. Um, I think it was Swill TV, if I remember correctly. This, this, and, this one was someone called Quarren TV. So it must have made a quarantine Yeah, Quarantine TV. That's yeah. it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Quarantine, yeah. Quarantine TV was their Twitch channel. And it was fucking awesome because they would do these, you know, uh, virtual punk gigs where four bands would record 10 minutes or so worth of music. And then they would just put those together. And then that would be an episode right there. And uh, then aside from that, they were uh, pirating and playing, uh, you know, movies. Um, doing interviews, doing, um, you know, uh, Q&As, and, and uh, it was just so cool. It was a completely DIY, and I don't even know who these people are. It was The only communication I had with them was through email. Mm. And uh, just what they were doing was awesome because it was like everything was fucking shut down. Nothing seemed fresh. You couldn't even turn on the late show and that be new. Um, so it was really cool that, you know, this, this group of artists and punks, wherever they were from, from the Baltimore area, uh, we're putting this out, and it was just a really cool channel on Twitch that ran 24 hours a day. So that's what that was yeah. from, and uh, yeah, and thank you for the compliment. Um, you know, that was, uh, you know, See, uh, something I, that we were we were really looking forward to, and it's good to hear the positive feedback. I have, so. I have a feeling that me and Tom, uh, um, we're obviously much older than you, and uh, I don't, Tom, do you know what Twitch TV is? I don't even know, really know what Twitch is, so there so we go. So Twitch is the video game thing my son has, I think. Yeah, my, my daughter right? is on Twitch too, but I still don't quite know what it is. Is that the video game thing? It's highly populated by video game streamers. That's how it started. So, but now you can like, you know, see like there's all kinds of subjects that you can look up and people just talking about bullshit. And it's, you know, it's turning into a um, kind of like YouTube because every, every performance or show or whatever you want to call it that the people do on Twitch, it gets recorded and then archived. So it's kind of mm -hmm. like going to somebody's YouTube channel. But I, the platform is different though so it's like there's chat and there's like reactions and stuff like that and there's a way to monetize your chat in youtube uh, but i think yeah. twitch kind of blazed the trail with that i might be wrong but i think they did um and they also provided just a really solid i guess software web web app platform to deliver super crisp hd images and have oh. their own community that i guess wasn't weighed down by you know the billions and billions of users that were on youtube um, yeah, youtube but, has gotten a little yeah out of, it's cool unwieldy well, yeah, with speedrunners, speedrunners are huge on that. So those are people that just a, try to beat the game as fast as possible. Um, oh. That is like a huge part of the community on Twitch. I'm going to guess that Justin is about 10 years younger than I am. Are you in your like late 30s? Uh, thank you for the compliment. I'll be 41 in July. 
Okay, 41. So I'll be 49, and I, I think a week from today I'll be 49. Neil, what are you doing you for my close. birthday? Are we having a big party or what? <laughs> I'm not uh, call for work. Just kidding. I can't do anything. Yeah, we're going to have Marcy over, and he's going to sing you some songs. Um, yeah, <laughs> we hate it when our friends become successful. Exactly. Right. So, well, but, but, uh, so Tom's 49. I'm, well, I'm, I'm 59. There you go. I'm the old yes, guy. He's 59. I'll be 49 here. Um, it's funny. So we grew up in different eras, too. But you know what we didn't grow up in? Like the emo era. That was definitely not our not our era. <laughs> yeah, but, you guys uh, are too old for that. Yep. Pretty much. But it's funny because yep. you, you mentioned your daughter because you, you uh, we originally were going to do this yesterday. And you said you had a concert thing for your kid at school. And that is, dude, that is so my life too, even though my kids, <laughs> yes. are, my kids are almost grown. But I have a band concert next week. Was it band or I choir? I do too. Yeah, so it was choir. She does everything. Like Emma, oh, yeah. you know, that's my daughter's name, does something every day of the week except for Fridays. So, yeah, this was a chorus concert last night, which was great. Um, yep. It was 30 minutes, which was, you know, welcomed that's, by yep, all in attendance. Yep, yep. Like, that's a good uh, short and sweet. We, You know, that was awesome. Uh, and then next week, she has musical theater on Monday, um, and we have to go to that performance. And then... Wednesday is a is the school band performance, so she plays drums in the school band as well. Nice. And uh, I was surprised that the band teacher actually invited any band parents that actually play an instrument to join the band. So of course I'm going to go back there and play <laughs> for like a with my for daughter. Like a song? <laughs> yeah, for two songs. So uh, yeah, I've never seen that. I would have totally loved, you know, my dad to hop in with me. You know, when I was a kid, I would absolutely love that. So, so um, yeah, so I'm doing that next that, week. That's funny performing because with the band. So- so my younger daughter is a freshman in high school. She plays a clarinet. And I think it was when she was in fifth grade. I can't remember. It was really early on. They did the same thing. And my wife's like, I'm not doing that. Like, we had to take their instrument and play, like, a rudimentary song. And I think it was just the point was the band teacher just showing how difficult it is to yeah, right. sort of, you know, because I know that, too. I mean, listen, dude, you know, you played a band with four guys. I played in bands with three guys, four guys, five guys. Just getting get that many men on the same page is difficult, let alone kids. It is a miracle yeah. when you get to the end of, like, fifth, sixth grade and all the instruments are sort of together. I mean, it's 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 a uh, I, I mean, the I really still haven't figured it out. Place in, what's that? You know? <laughs> I, I the, really feel for the uh, for the elementary school band teachers, for sure. Like even just yes. working. With my daughter, we take practice pretty seriously. You know, we practice at least an hour a week on, on snare drum. And, uh, yeah, just to, I can't imagine multiplying that by, you know, the 30, 40 kids that are in the band on every single discipline. You know what I mean? Like, there's a, there's a special special place in special place in heaven for band teachers. And they're, they Definitely. usually, you know, end up shooting themselves and getting there as quickly as possible because they lose their <laughs> lose know, their right? rivals. But anyway, all right, what were we talking about? Okay, so you were doing that till you so, – so we caught up to where you had a daughter. You were doing – you were doing the so you doing the studio full time until you had your daughter. Is that what is that when things kind of changed? Or? Yes, that is exactly right. So I was doing the studio full time, and uh, then when Emma popped into the picture, I was like, okay, well, me and Meg, my ex wife, uh, you know, we can eat ramen noodles when times are tough, but a new boy yeah. needs formula. So sure. I was like, I need to figure something out here. So um, yeah, so then I ended up working. Um, you know, I, I scored a day job working in the events industry. I mean, how. How else is a dude with no college education going to find some kind of like regular pay, right? So, I'm sure. my way into that, which and we do like corporate events and hotels. Um, so yeah, so Disarmor was all the way up until then, and I got to say, like right when Emma was, you know, when she was still a baby, um, you know, I just didn't have time for a band, and you know, I think I I sort of fell into, um, you know, a a state of 
of despair as far as my creativity went and uh, a little bit of depression, you know, if I can be honest with you. And, sure. um, you know, you know, I love being a father and it's just awesome having my kid, but things like, you know, band practice and stuff like that, like kind of came to a halt and uh, disarmor eventually just kind of fizzled, never broke up. Cause I mean, these guys are my best friends. So it's like, you know, if we wanted to, we could book a show practice and then play. So it'll never be like a defunct thing. Um, but yeah, sure. but for the time being, you know, when I had a brand new kid, I really didn't have much to do. And, um, I still was, so I was starting a new career and, uh, you know, the, the studio never went away. I wasn't as busy as I usually was because I took on a very busy job. Um, but, uh, you know, as a result of, you know, all of my time being taken up, I had no creative outlet for myself at that point. Um, so yeah, so up until I would say when Meth Rats formed, I was still writing music here and there, but nothing published and nothing gigged. And so there was a big gap in there between the, you know, the last show of Disarm and the first show of Meth Rats. Um, and yeah, so uh, thinking back, it's just like, wow, what a journey, right? You know, parent, you know, fatherhood, you know, you're a parent, your whole life is flipped upside down. That's, that's totally my story. Um, so, but you know, and then our kids get older and a little bit more self-sufficient and, um, you know, you can, you know, in my case, anyway, I was able to, you know, work, uh, the time in again to be able to play music again. And, uh, you know, I'm very happy about that. And you were bursting at the seams at that point. So, all right, let's, let's play another, let's throw another song in there. What's next, Neil? Okay. How about, um, uh, my friends at 0%. What about this one? What's this one about? Yes. Yeah, so- this is a uh, this is a hat tip to to Hagen and to my boy Chase Tail down in Atlanta and uh, to my Chase boy Tail. Anthony. Chase Tail. Yeah, what is what Chase, is that about? <laughs> Chase Tail is the si- Chase Tail is the singer of a side project band that has a lot of uh, rotating members um, called Rambler, spelled R M B L R. And Hagen actually plays guitar in there when able. Oh, uh, is really busy right now that. with their. I can't yeah, so Rambler rules. Chase is awesome. He's a total, um, he's a total character. I love the guy, and uh, he, I actually recorded an EP for Rambler um, several years ago. And uh, when Chase came in, he had business cards, and they had the nicknames. Well, Hagen doesn't have a nickname. He kind of just goes by Hagen. But uh, you know, there were some other guys like Bad News Boyer. That's Jason Boyer who played bass on the Rambler record or the EP. Um, and he had their names printed on it. And then he had this motorcycle diamond patch shape with a zero percent in it. And I was just like, Chase, what is this? I keep seeing you like incorporate this into your art. And like, you know, like, what's the deal with this? What's the zero percent shit? And he's just like, and he talks, Chase is fucking awesome, man. He talks with this, uh, this Georgia original Southern badass accent, man. And, uh, he just goes, he goes, Oh, zero percent. That ain't nothing, baby. That means I don't swing left. Don't swing right. Don't give a fuck. Don't give a fuck about government. We're zero percent, baby. And I'm like, that is one of the coolest, most fuck you things I've ever heard. Uh, so this song, my friends are zero percent are exactly that. It's about my friends that are zero percent. Don't swing either way. And, uh, they, they, the religion is rock and roll and that's it. <laughs> All right, let's give this one a listen then. Uh, my friends, it's 0%. Math, rat, meth rats. There you go.
his friends are zero percent. That's right. Yes. So when, you, when you're putting the when you're putting the meth rats together, you're a little older. You kind of have a you know, you, you, it's more possible to kind of arrive fully formed. Do you have a picture in your mind of what you want to do musically, or did you just kind of let it let it happen? Yeah. Who were you some well, of your, who who were you some of your um bands that you were shaping yourselves after or whatever? Who were you some of your big influences? Uh, that's a good question. Um, it's very vast. Obviously, um, I think anybody could you know. I mean, we already agree. mentioned Lionel Richie and and <laughs> yeah, uh, Lionel <laughs> Richie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. All time um, low. Yeah. <laughs> it's, hey, what better example of you know how vast my musical taste is though by talking about bands like that? So, yeah, true. Uh, but no, but for this band, um, you know, old school '80s stuff uh, for sure. Um, you know, and then uh, as far as modern bands go, like you know, I'm a huge Ceremony fan, so I would say early, like more like power balance sounding Ceremony. Um, but then, like anybody that's listened to us knows that we also have like sludgy parts that almost sound like, uh, you know, like a stoner rock band or something like that, like, you know, Torch, uh, which is a big influence to me and Ben. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, just pretty it's much funny. anything I don't, I fast, don't really, pissed off. It's funny, I don't really hear that as much as, I almost, I thought it was more like a crossover thrash kind of a thing. It is, yeah, yeah, but, you know, you got songs like The Gator and yeah. uh, Deep Fake and Sluggo off the first record. I guess the, the, um, they don't hang around, even if they have those parts, they don't hang around long enough. You know, because when you think of that kind of thing, you think of very long songs, very drawn out passages because they're so correct. quick. Yeah, you know? yeah. But it's still meth rats to make them fast. So the, so the funny thing is those are our long songs, right? Yeah, the um, but, <laughs> but they're only a minute and 50. <laughs> so, like, yeah. they feel epic. They feel epic to us and the, and the folks that are in the crowd. Um, but, yeah, so it just, you know, it just draws from all of our uh, all of our influences, you know? I mean, just everything old, you know, Minor Threat, Bad Brains, you know, lots of, like, D.C., early D.C. stuff. It's just funny. I actually, wanted to, I actually wanted to ask you that because Baltimore and Washington, D.C., obviously, are only about an hour hour apart, I think, something like that. They're yeah, close. even last 45 minutes, yeah. So was that, I mean, that, that scene had a big impact. I mean, nobody knows the Baltimore scene, you know, no offense to all-time low and the great, you know, hardcore legends that they are, but obviously yeah. D.C. is kind of a legendary scene. I, I mean, I can't imagine that wouldn't shape your sound, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, everybody here, you know, knows Discord and knows the catalog well and, uh, you know, knows Ian and, uh, you know, uh, and, and that influence is huge on everybody around here. And it's pretty impressive when you think about it that, you know, that music was made that long ago and people are still, and, and I'm talking about like, you know, even like Turnstile and uh, bands like that that are considered young these days are still heavily influenced by that. Um, those guys really made waves and uh, it's 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 really cool to be living that close in, in the scene that all of that stemmed from. Well, you know, you put that, it's funny because you put that first minor threat EP on to this day, it jumps out of your speakers. That was a no budget recording. That yeah. is um, amazing. Sonny. Yeah. And Still. Don, uh, Don Z actually just closed his, uh, studio inner ear. Um, just, either at the beginning of this year or end of last, I think it was the beginning of this year. Um, and he liquidated a lot of his gear. He's still doing work. He's still doing mix work, I believe, and maybe some tracking, but he's doing it out of a much smaller space. So that legendary space where so much stuff was recorded is now gone. I don't know what they're doing with it. Oh, that's a bummer. So that's, and that's current events. I mean, that just happened. So, mm -hmm. But that's the dude that was responsible for most of that sound. Hmm. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. At On Point Press Company, 
We specialize in branded goods and services at makeitonpoint.com. We provide unique creative items that will set your brand apart. Specializing in creative design, screen printing, branded goods, packaging solutions, and online services. Visit our website at www.makeitonpoint.com to get a custom quote today. I'll tell you what, why don't we... Why don't we actually go back? Because we, we've jumped around a lot. So um, why don't you tell us exactly who's in Meth Rats like, and, and what do oh, you yeah, do sure. and stuff? There you go. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just run my mouth and sing um, in this band. But we, the cool thing about this band is we're all drummers. <laughs> so everybody in the band is a drummer. So nobody, shows up, nobody shows up for practice? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so it, and that's basically as close as you can get because we only really rehearse about one time before every show. Because our, <laughs> our drummer, Steve, Steve plays drums. He lives in Ocean City, which is three hours from here. Well, two and a half. Oh, so um, what we do is uh, Ben plays bass and does some backup vocals. And I said earlier that Ben is an incredible drummer. He's your partner uh, Warren, in for many years. Yes. Now. Yeah. But ben and I have been friends for like uh, close to 20 years. And then Warren plays guitar. Uh, Warren is a fantastic guitar player. Uh, and he also does some backup vocals. Uh Ben and Warren kind of split kind of the harmony stuff, which is uh, a great exercise because we can kind of do like three parts sometimes um, in the very small amount of time that we actually do stuff like that in our music, um, which is great. <laughs> in the five seconds and, you can uh, catch it. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's, so it, there is yeah, a little bit of melody here and there. There is. So, there, the, the side, the second side of the record is definitely has more melody than the first side, I think. Mm-hmm. Of the new yeah, record. it's got like, yeah, that's got some melody on there. So, uh, yeah, but it's just great to be able to, you know, uh, to explore that and do that in this type of band. And, uh, yeah, so that's the that's the whole group of us. And we're all drummers. And the way that Meth Rats writes our music now that we're a complete band. So, like I said earlier, Ben and I wrote and performed the first record, just the two of us. Now, that, that was the that was ben, a self-titled, the, do you call that an EP or a full length? Yeah, it was all from 2019, that, right? It was nine songs. It was whatever you want to call it. I guess that, uh, as far as track count goes, I guess that's a full length, but it's really an EP's length. So, um, now was I mean, that you could even say that about our new records? So now I don't was know what the fuck you want to call? It. Was that ever physically released, or was that just uh, was that just no? That digital? was digital only. Digital only. Yeah, it was digital only, and then and it was just out there just to be like, hey, look what we did, fun. And then people started wanting us to play shows, and we were just like, okay, now we need to put a band together. Okay, so. Uh, ben played drums and bass on the record, and I did all all the guitars and vocals on that. And um, we recorded the drums live to me, and we were in the live room together, and I just did a scratch guitar. Uh, so no, no Meth Rats recording has ever been done to a click. It's always a straight live. And uh, so we did that, and then when we got the show offers, that was just like, all right, who do we get to play this? Like, you're playing some pretty intense drums. We're both really picky, um, you know, and... Ben was just like, he's like, Ben talks like this, he's got this cool Baltimore accent, and he's like, uh, he's like, oh man, Steve Root can handle that, no problem, and I'm like, dude, you're right. So Steve was our first choice, and we are just like, hey man, you know, he's a single dad, just like myself, and I'm like, hey man, you know, we got this thing, you know, uh, we want you to check it out, and if you're cool, like, we're getting show offers, like, so uh, would you be interested, and he hopped right on. And then Warren was the first choice to be a guitar player as well. And, you know, Warren's been a close friend of mine. I've been producing his his bands uh, since Mom's Basement days as well. So that would have been in, like, the mid to late 2000s. 
And, uh, yeah, so it all came together, you know, with no, uh, you know, no big conversations or anything. It was just like, hell yeah, we're in, you know, let's do it. Punk, uh, should be easy enough to, you know, with low commitment that, you know, to do long distance like this. Um, and that's it. So the, the cool way, uh, that we write music though, since we don't have band practice all the time is, uh, myself, Ben and Warren will just record ideas to a click track and then we'll send them over to, um, we'll send him over to Steve to write to. Um, that's the time we do use a metronome just because he needs that to be able to write drums. Uh, and then Steve will just blast out a demo. And sometimes I'm sending, like, uh, you know, program drums or something like that so he has an idea of what we're going for. And Steve just nails it, like, no problem. He, does a- he handles anything you throw at him. Uh, so that's how we write music. And then we'll we'll do that and then when we like rehearse once or twice like before we do a string of shows um you know like that's when we'll rehearse those um and then plan on recording those again in the future so it's a very efficient you know songwriting machine um we could pop them out a lot faster if we uh if we practiced if we you know had a band practice every week or something like that but that's not the case with us so um yeah so it's kind of it's a cool band and we really use like modern technology uh, and communication to be able to do that stuff that would have been impossible 20 years ago. So looking at that timeline, then you formed the band right as about COVID was hitting, right? It was before. So, um, what did that, uh, yeah, I think the, uh, I think the self title came out in like 2019. Exactly. And, um, yeah. And then we, like I said, that's when we brought Warren and Steve into the mix and that's when we were just like, okay, now we're going to write songs as a band. And then we came up with everything, and we started recording Ultimate Culprit in February of 2020. 20, like of course. So, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I got my COVID timeline mixed up. That was 2020, not 2019. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was, we sat on that for a while because uh, there was no rush to put it out because what the fuck are you going to do? You're going to put it out, and then you're not going to play shows. You're not going to tour. You're not going to do nothing. So we were just like, all right. So we took our time just – you know, uh, I took my, t- the guys knocked it out. I mean, they just, you know, spent the night at the house for the weekend and uh, we set up on Friday and then Saturday and Sunday, we just went at it. We recorded the record completely live as far as instrumentation goes um, and everybody in one room. So all the microphones, all the amplifiers and everything were in the live room together. There was no separation. So that cohesive sound that you get from the record is because of that technique of recording that we did. And that comes really organically to us because, again, we don't we're not well rehearsed because we don't play together all the time. So it was important to be able to play the song three, four or five times in succession until we got the take that we liked. So Um, so so being a a studio guy, the, the bleed through didn't make you insane? Uh, no, it, it made me not insane um, because it <laughs> sounded like a cohesive punk band. So, That's like the the, the 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 problem with the abilities of modern recording is uh, the the way it's so easy to exploit uh, separation and it loses that soul. So when yeah. you know when I tell yeah, and when I tell other bands, you know, and buddies that are in bands like how we recorded them, it's like yeah, dude, that was all mic'd up in the live room together. They're just like, wow, dude, like that's impressive. That's all. It, it's. I think it speaks a lot about how awesome these guys are as musicians. As I sit here and do nothing but yell, um, you know, these guys are nailing these takes like this. Um, mm. You know, it, and it just it's that bleed through into the mics is what gives it that cohesive full live band sound that's just you know remarkable and uh, you can't make it i agree 100 percent because tom and i have talked about this before but when you hear stuff coming out of uh what's that what's that what's the famous one Uh, the, the blasting room is it 
Oh yeah, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. It all sounds. It all sounds. Yeah, it all sounds the fucking same. It all sounds the same. I it, mean, it, it's it, really. It's, yeah, it's really yeah. I think it's Jason Livermore is the producer who does it all, and he does a good job. But yeah, it does have a certain homogenized sound to it. Like yeah, it's like. like like it, if you change the singer, Lagwagon sounds just like High Standard. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly, it loses the energy. Yeah, yeah. a lot of that stuff. Yep. Yeah, and like like I love like you know all the Propagandi records that were done there, and uh, you know they sound amazing. But Propagandi is just one of those bands that um, well, you know, they almost push. Uh, yeah. yeah, they just shred, they're just ridiculous players, and like I think that they sound great on a recording like that. But if you have like somebody that's a little more raw, um, you know, I think it helps to put them all in the room so you can kind of capture that feel. So some bands it works, but, you know, uh, specifically for Meth Rats, you know, that's, well, we wouldn't want to record any other way. Yeah, I mean, you you, you you guys don't want to burn those bridges, but I will. I think I think that other way sounds like shit. I think, <laughs> I, I think doing it the way that you do it is much, is much, much better. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's play another let's play another example of that, Neil, because I want to ask him about this record specifically a little bit. So let's okay. uh, so let's, let's play pl- another song. Let's play the one he was just talking about, the one where he says it's kind of slow and sludgy, which is um, over in a minute 27, The Gator. What is uh, what? That's what is this one. one about? Yeah, uh, it's super long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is called it. This is our art rock song. Yeah. It's an epic. So what is, what so, is this one about? Uh, the, the, the Gator is just about a um, uh, you know a, a person I came across in my life that uh, just you know was um, a junkie, right? I mean, this is a song I, about a not junkie? a junk. Believe it or not, not a junkie, but. Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, manipulative, drunk, um, um. you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, accused thief. Um, he doesn't want to get, too, he doesn't want to get, he doesn't want to get too specific because everybody in the scene knows what he's talking about. Over, overall, <laughs> just uh, a shitty person that in, in, in all honesty, this person may have jumped back and, uh, learned a little something about themselves. But when I wrote the song, I was pretty pissed off. Well, and, like, uh, you know, I think I think it illustrates that that point in uh, everybody's life uh, quite well. OK, well, let's listen to the song and then I'm going to talk to you about that, too. So, all right. This is the Gator from uh, Meth Rats. the gator from meth rats so it's so funny to hear you talk about that because i don't know if you were ever um a skateboarder or you were into skateboarding but in oh yeah the, when i was a kid for in sure. the 80s there was a professional skateboarder road for vision called gator 
Oh, and, really? Uh, oh, yeah, I remember the Gator Mark, yeah. Mark Gator Rogowski, he had that classic vision ball with, like, the yep. disparate patterns and stuff like that, the weird, like, art deco pattern. Um, you've all seen that deck, I'm sure. Yep. But uh, he was the, the times I met him, he was a complete fucking dick. He was a complete prick. And <laughs> well, then that song, song isn't about him, Neil. It's a well, coincidence. Well, no, but well, it is. But it's funny because you know, judging by by what Justin just said about this other guy, so Gator pretended to be such a good guy, and then he actually went to prison because he beat some girl to death and, uh, and buried her in the desert. So uh, wow. it's just kind of interesting that uh, that it's called Gator. So you know, and you know, it's it's in in the situation of what I wrote the song about. It's not um, as extreme as that, of course, but I would say that it's that's kind of like where all that stems from. Yeah, uh, with the name. So yeah, interesting. Not uh, not, not too far off. Yeah, yeah. just uh, you know, kind of like um, you know, if like showing for face, right? Yeah. But then people have their dark periods. And, and there's, and, uh, there's yeah, actually a documentary out about Gator called Gator that was made about ten years ago or something. I'm gonna have watch. to see that. Yeah, yeah it's, that in, it's super interesting. Inter- I didn't even know that story. Yeah, so he was. I mean, he was like he was making hundreds of thousands of dollars back, you know, in the mid '80s when everyone was making money, living life high on the hog, and then he just went uh, went mental, you know, and uh, oh, yeah. did what he did in the early '90s. So. Sorry to bring everybody down with that one. No, <laughs> no, no, that's part of it. Yeah, the, I mean, even the Meth Rat song, it's not a particularly cheery uh, no. uh, day there. So, yeah, I mean, that's well, totally fine. The mood suits it. The record in general, I think, like I said, it seems like it's a lot about a lot of desperate characters and, you know, the struggles of living in the city and poverty and all that kind of stuff. And it is very dark for the most part, but it doesn't feel, like, oppressive. You know what I mean? Like, there is a certain line there. It doesn't feel, I, I don't know. I just don't, it's not a record that I put on that depresses me. I have some records like that that are like hardcore records where I feel like, you know, like the Harry Potter story. They talk about the Dementors, like they suck all the joy out of the air. Yes. Right. Like there are records like that. I don't, I don't get that feeling with this record. I mean, I still enjoy listening to it, even though it's about, you know, some rough, rough times and rough people and stuff. But, and, and you know, Tom, that's funny that you mentioned that because generally I don't like depressing music. And I think that that might have something to do with that. Um, hmm. so yeah, I did, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that I've, I've never liked sad songs. I think my mom listened to like wind beneath my wings with me in the car way too many times when I was a child. Um, <laughs> you know, that might have something to do with it. Hey, you're the Lionel though, Richie but... guy, man. What you... Did you ever know <laughs> that you're my yeah, hero? Yeah. Give me the upbeat. Give me the upbeat. Yeah, dude. Like I, I mom would have that on repeat all the way to visit. That's stupid movie. And, uh... That stupid beaches movie. I remember one year going on vacation ah, with my parents and it was just about like a, a woman's best friend dying of cancer or something. Right. It's just such a depressing. Yeah, it's awful. And yeah, exactly. the wind, wind beneath my wings. Ugh. Yeah, mom's like screaming that, like you know, the fucking single is on auto repeat in the in the '94 <laughs> Blazer, and oh yes, just the uh, single. The B side is an instrumental track that you could just sing along to. Yeah. Yourself. <laughs> oh, dude. oh man, I was totally, I was totally tormented, and uh, and uh, you know that was ingrained into my brain. So yeah, I just, uh, but no, I just don't couldn't like you, bummer couldn't music. You just, couldn't you just beat me like the other mom's mom? Did you get the torch <laughs> me in such subtle ways? Couldn't you just put cigarettes out of my skin <laughs> yeah yeah man so but no i mean i take that as a compliment though tom thank you uh you know we don't we, we don't want anybody to, to like be bored or um sad um you know you could be pissed off like when you listen to meth rats and find comfort in um connecting with the songs in that way um but we definitely don't want to bum anybody I, out i just feel um, like you know maybe maybe it uplifts me because i think i'm doing better than some of the people in the song 
Um, yeah, and you are. I mean, it's like a uh, sense of yeah. <laughs> you are for sure. Um, so, yeah, man, it takes well, all kinds. And it's easy for me to write when I'm pissed off with this kind of music. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I want to talk about the record itself, but I'm actually going to wait on that because I want to give that like its own kind of segment. Let's um, so the so you guys are barely practice. You you know, if you're going to play shows, you practice. So you're you're not in a position to tour. I mean, you're pretty much just trying to play cool local shows at this point or maybe go out for a weekend or something. Yeah, we're weekend warriors. Um, you know, we try to get out in the region as much as possible. I don't foresee us being able to stop what we're doing as far as um, what we're doing as far as, you know, income goes from our sure. uh, from our careers and stuff. You know, like you have two you have two single dads in the band, myself included. Um, so we can't exactly drop it, uh, you know, what sure. we're doing to go hit the road for two, three, four weeks at a time. Um, but that, you know, being, you know, uh, plain and clear right there we do play as much as we can um and yeah so like weekend warrior things and i think of the hardcore scene that's like uh totally a normal way to do it yeah um, nobody making a living and, nobody's making a living yeah and we're no. not and you know this is and this record is self-released so we're not under anybody's thumb as far as debt goes or anything like that so we can sell these at our leisure and uh just play shows to you know uh you know have fun and you know we're going to offload records at the same time too so it's on have, our have you got if you get yourself in a position like where if a like a cool band comes to town, the clubs are thinking of you guys like, oh, DRI's coming to town. We should have Meth Rats play. The DRI crowd would love Meth Rats. Or is that, or are you more just kind of like doing the DIY thing? Um, no, that's totally happening. We're opening for the Queers and the Dwarves on uh, June 23rd in Baltimore. Oh, that's funny because you guys are so. so much more, you guys are definitely more aggressive than the Queers especially. Yeah. Dwarves, dwarves yeah. can tear it up. They can play super fast. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the Jasons are playing that, too. They're kind of like oh. a quirky, like, uh, horror yeah, the, the, yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I actually um, I actually like the Jasons quite a bit, even though I prefer them an EP as to LP, because after 12 songs, it gets to be a bit much. But I like their shtick. Yeah. I don't like... Um, like that like, show's like, playing Reggie's, Neil. That's going to be a great show. I'm not going to be able to make it, but you should go. In July, right, I think? July? Yeah. yeah. It's a weekend of 4th of July. i got to work. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it should be a good show. Um, so, yeah, it's a Thursday night in Baltimore. Um, there you go. But, yeah, pretty legendary. Um, Justin from Good Men Doing Nothing um, told me, like, hey, man, I hate to put you out like this, but if I give you a record, can you have the queer sign it? They're my favorite band in the world. Uh, and, ah, you know, why isn't so he going like, to go himself? All right, I'll, I'll do it for you. <laughs> so, I think he's a single dad, too, isn't he? I would say he did so, himself over there. Justin, he, yeah. No, he'll be, he'll be there for sure. He just... Up. like he's not gonna have a backstage path oh, oh yeah, yeah. me to do that for him yeah it's funny joe joe used to always <laughs> hang around by the merch table now he's like a, too much of a prima donna like he doesn't yeah. mix with the crowd anymore he just, appe- he, he just, he just appears on stage I, right he's like he's yeah, like exactly. a fucking I mean, ghost I, I don't dislike joe but it's funny because he's definitely made himself less accessible the last couple of years he doesn't play guitar anymore it's a real weird you know i don't know the yeah, venue well. is like this yeah, venue be. is like a premier venue in baltimore um so, oh, nice. like, it has a full-on, like, green room backstage, you know. Nice. So if, you'll probably, if, be if probably he's that like, kind of guy, he's probably going to be back there. Yeah. <laughs> you'll probably have to give, like, 35% of all your merch sales to the venue. Oh, my God. Uh, I hope not. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. But, but no, we're but talking about Justin, show, so. Justin, Like I said, Justin's the one who actually bought your record. I owe him a T-shirt. So, Justin, I'll get you Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he didn't send me a fucking record. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> um, and uh, and T-shirt. I didn't ask him to do it for nothing. I was gonna PayPal him, but he so lives in the 20th century, he doesn't have PayPal. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. And talking about touring, uh, 
Hagen from uh, was he? Do you call him Hagen or Hagen? Hagen? Hagen. Hagen? Okay. Ha- yeah. Hagen the Pagan. Hagen the Pagan. Yeah, he there actually... He actually uses the uh, original German pronunciation. Hagen. Like, Alex the, Hagen. Uh, yeah. Like his Nazi forefathers. Yes. He, act- he actually he, he actually comments, because I told him you were going to be on, and he actually commented. He said, um, he said to tell you that the road is an evil bitch and you don't want none. And then he, <laughs> and then he said, and then he said, ask you about the Crabtown USA menu. Oh my god! Is that a is that a is that a failed comment about getting crabs on the road? <laughs> no, there's this uh, there's this fucking place uh, just two miles from my house, maybe less. It's called Crabtown USA, and it's a restaurant that's been there forever. It used to be called Colburn's Drive-In back in the fifties, I guess. And it's a family business that's been handed down. But uh, in the eighties, it turned from just being like a drive-in burger, you know, car hop joint uh, to an arcade. They bought a, a Galaga machine, and it was so popular they bought another one. And then they just started buying everything that all of the companies were putting out, and they started storing them in there. And before they knew it, they had a pretty large arcade that is still there and fully intact. And many of the games that are in that game room have been there since they were bought new in the box, <laughs> which is extremely rare for you know any kind of arcade buffs. Um, so uh, what I do there is uh, I founded the uh, – I was one of the founders, I guess I could say, of the pinball club that meets there on Tuesday nights in Glen Murray. Mm. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah, I'm a, that's a little bit of weird trivia for you. I'm the 2016-2017 IFPA Maryland State Pinball Champion. Um, <laughs> there you so go. I play a, play a little bit of pinball, and so does Alex, and that's Hagen, and that's how I you know, ended up becoming friends with him was through that. Like he would oh, no come down. Oh, cool. Yeah, he would come down to Crabtown. I would go to Holy for Holes. That's his stomping grounds. Uh, that's our our mutual buddy Jeff's restaurant up in Baltimore. Uh, great little venue, uh, great little bar and restaurant, and awesome pinball collection up there. And they have their own league that meets on Thursdays. Um, so yeah, <laughs> he's saying about the menu because I'm a food dude as well. So I like to cook. I'm the chef of the house here, mm. and uh, yeah, so I I tend to have weighted opinions on when it comes to food. Um, and uh, yeah, Crab Town, you know. It's more you're more going there for the food. I mean, for the uh, arcade than the food. So, <laughs> food kind of sucks. They are huh? my fr- They are my friends, and I'll just stop at that. But okay, uh, gotcha. yeah, definitely go to Crab Town, chug some beers. It's a full bar there, um, and anybody can have a great time there. Um, the arcade is sick. So, all right, let's play that. that let's play another song. What's what's well? Actually, I'm going to say one thing about Baltimore, just because I I hadn't I went there once as a kid, passed through. But my buddy Scott, who Neil knows, was there, and he he thought very highly of the town. Now he was in like the nice part of town because that's where the you know like the business people go for stuff. But uh, he th- he said he said I loved it. I would gladly go back because we had always heard the rumors like Baltimore was basically Detroit on the ocean, and like the only place you were safe in Baltimore was like on second base in Camden Yards. But he uh, <laughs> he spoke very highly of the place, so. Now it's neighborhood to neighborhood, right? So Baltimore is definitely block to block. Um, you yeah, know, like Chicago, yeah. It's becoming uh, the type of city that definitely has its boroughs, kind of like New York. You know, um, I consider um, Baltimore a neighborhood-focused city for sure. So um, there are, you know, you got your frat boys and uh, swill hounds that are all hanging around in Fells Point and Federal Hill and Canton. But then you have your artsy districts uh, like Hamden, the North Avenue area, uh, even like Hamilton. Uh, and then, you know, then you got your, you know, your fringier parts where, you know, like it's it's not so friendly. Like I would say it, 
most people I don't think think this uh, or, you know, it doesn't come to mind that most of the trouble in the city is actually outside of the city. It's actually on the outskirts. It's technically still in Baltimore City, but yeah. it's out. It's centralized in these neighborhoods um, that are pulled away from Midtown for the most part. So yeah. Baltimore's be- definitely trying to clean up the Midtown look. Uh, again, me working as a day job in the events industry, you know, I have my finger on the pulse pretty good of like how they're trying to corporatize and make, uh, you know, Baltimore look accessible to people to travel there and have meetings there and things of that nature. Um, so in the downtown area, you know, it tends to be, I mean, you know, you want to watch your back just like you're in any city, but it doesn't really happen there. So that's why your friend that visited was just like, I don't see what all the hype's about. Like, you know, I had a good time. It's fine. Um, you know, it's definitely one of those types of cities where, um, Trouble finds you anywhere, but sure. you really got to go looking for trouble and be in a bad place and just not be street smart. The, the people that are from, like, the burbs that, like, get robbed and shit like that, they're typically always by themselves. It's typically always after the fucking bars close and they get followed out of the bar. Um, yeah. It happens in their own nice fucking neighborhoods where they're being preyed on because they think they're invincible. And that's why they're doing shit like walking home and stuff like, and like, look, man, you wouldn't do that in fucking New York city. You wouldn't do that in Chicago. Like it's the same street smarts apply to Baltimore. And if you follow those rules, you're not going to have a bad time. Hey, is, is, um, is it's Lam- funny, dude. I'll have to ask him if you, after we we're done, I'll have to ask you, maybe you put on the event, maybe you put on the event. He went to, that'd be funny. Hey, anyway, is- sorry, Neil, go ahead. Is Lansdowne Skate Park in uh, in Maryland, in Baltimore? Uh, that is, I think Lansdowne is technically in the Baltimore County. It's either Anna, it's either the edge of Anne Arundel County or the edge of Baltimore County, but yeah, it's still there. Um, uh, but the crazy thing is, like, that used to be the only uh, bowl in town, right? Right. Now Baltimore has two premier skate parks. You have one in Hamden. Like I said, that's one of the most you know, um, artist-driven neighborhoods in the city. They have an awesome uh, skate park there now. And then they actually built, I can't believe where they put the other one. They put it right downtown, right by the Science Center, right on the harbor. They built another skate park over there. And these are no joke, like, fully built from the ground up, really nice, not just like a tennis court that's um, right. converted. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. the built from the ground up is a skate park. Um, man, I would have killed for that kind of stuff as a kid. You yeah. know what I mean? So... I'm stoked for all the for the groms that are out there that are totally getting it and um, you know able to have such nice things like that growing up. Yeah, I mean Lansdowne yeah. Lansdowne is classic Tom because Lansdowne's been there since the mid '70s. It's a really really old skate park, so uh, yeah. classic. Yeah, one of the most classic ones it, in the country, along with Kona in uh, in Gainesville. It's one of the most uh, one of the oldest skate parks in the country. Classic. Yeah, Lansdowne is uh, is highly uh, regarded as a classic, legendary spot. So yeah, yeah, and it's still here. Yeah, it's one of the only things I know about Baltimore, right there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, after this long roundabout, yes, we'll go back to playing a song. <laughs> yeah. So I, I actually, yeah. and but it, it fits in. So with uh, with with uh, you know your with Scott thinking that downtown uh, Baltimore was going to be dangerous, let's do Machine Gun America. Um, what is what is <laughs> yeah. what is this one about, buddy? Uh, this is just about the America's perversion with guns. Uh, our band is highly anti-gun um, as far as personal, um, you know, uh, like basing your whole personality around it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think me personally, I respect people's uh, rights to bear arms. I have a problem with it when it's your entire fucking personality. Um, you know, this song is about every dickhead that's got a, um, you know, some smart ass decal on his back window in his truck or something like that that is an AK or AR-15 or whatever, 
uh, come and take it, you know, type of attitude. This yeah, is about yeah. all those pricks. Can't stand <laughs> them. Uh, you know, like it's it's a major problem uh, with division in this country is people that think like that and then people that think like us. Um, but yeah, you know, I definitely felt like something needs to be said about that. So that's what this song's about. Okay, cool. Let's hear it. This is Machine Gun America by uh, Meth Rats. <laughs> Okay, Machine Gun America, Meth Rats. Yeah. So, go. I'm going to go clean my air 15 a second. And take the stickers out the back of your truck, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it is funny because Michigan's a big sporting state, you know, big gun state to a certain extent. It's a weird state. It's, like all the upper Midwest states, it's a real mix of the suburban and urban and rural and all that. But it's funny because I do see these guys with their Michigan thing. And I have, a, listen, I have a pistol I can stick right in my pocket. But you know what I don't have? A sticker on the back of my car that says that because I always look at it and I go, you know what? They just do that because they drive like jerk offs and they don't want anybody to call them out on it because who's going to mess with the guy with the pistol? It's, on the it's that. And it's like, how boring of a fucking person do you need to be for that to imagine that being your entire personality? Exactly. It's no, your guns. I, I, and you're like, like, what the fuck, dude? And like the, the and the type of uh, mate that you're trying to attract with that kind of attitude, like dude, that breeds nothing but uh, chaos and violence. And the, the only sticker you and... need on the back of your car is the punk till I die sticker. There you go. That's right. Possibly, possibly the meth rat sticker. <laughs> I don't know if they have those or not. We do. Yep. There you go. Well, listen, we still got some, so reach out if you need some. We'll send yeah, we'll, some. Yeah, we'll we'll send some to you, mate. We'll send some to you. Yeah, we will. I'll, I'll yep. get your address when we're done. Yep. <laughs> you can stick them next to your, uh, you know, your Glock. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, okay, yeah. so let's talk. Let's talk about the record itself. So, I think part of the re- part of the answer you already gave because you said you sat on it for a long time, which would have gave you a long time to get it made. But you guys are an indie band, and this is Neil. You should go on Bandcamp right now if you haven't. This is a beautiful record. Yeah, it's clear I mean, with it's, clear with blue streaks, right? It's it's awesome looking, and it's uh it's just and you guys did this all yourself. So and and this is about the third time this year, uh, our buddies from uh, Split District and the New Rocket Union are a couple other examples. These are indie bands who have somehow managed to get their vinyl out. What's what's your what's your secret? Is it just being patient, or did you you got some kind of a hookup or what? Spill the spill the beans on this record. So, uh, well, we did have time to really think about what we wanted to do. Uh, again, like right when we finished tracking all the instrumentals, you know, a month later, the whole entire world shuts down. So we had time sure. to think about what we wanted to do with it. We wanted to uh, to press it on either a 10-inch or a 12-inch from the get-go. That was just like the loose idea. Um, sure. But over the course of the lock-in, you know, I was finishing vocals and we were bouncing around ideas. Hagen actually did the artwork for the uh, for the cover. So my good right? buddy, okay. yeah. So my good buddy Sean Riley, uh, who is like one of the most revered um, punk and hardcore 
indie photographers right now. Uh, he travels to so many shows, so many shows, and uh, just takes incredible photographs. I'm very lucky to know him and to call him a friend. Um, he did the cover shot for us. And then we gave that to Hagen. I came up with the idea. I think it was a little out of my mind one night. And I ran up by the guys and said, yeah, I was like, I think we should like get, we should pose. Cause keep in mind, we had to pose for the picture. Like the cartoon rat was there. So I was like, I think we should pose, leave room for this rat. And then his tail should come out, out of the picture and surround us like a border. And, uh, oh, I didn't know, even I, see, okay. See, now I see that now. Cause if you look at it, yeah, you can just see the tail going yeah. all the way down, but yeah, I see that it's yeah. the whole thing is the rat. So, exactly. Okay. It's coming from his ass. So, um, yeah, like I told the guys and they just totally cracked up at that. And they're like, dude, that sounds like a, a hilarious and awesome idea. So we just went with it. And then, um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, it came time once we had the art together, you know, I put together the collage on the inside. Um, we just uh, dug up some old and new photos, um, and then I hand wrote all the lyrics and then scanned those in. Uh, once that was all done, it was like, all right, it's time to shop. So the craziest thing, doing it by yourself, like, you know, the craziest thing is just seeing the huge variance in uh, in price from plant to plant. Um, so the mm. plant that we ended up going with beat everybody by a mile. Um, we And I guess I'll give a shout-out to them, Precision Record Pressing. Um, where they, where know, are they out of? They're out of Canada. So it was, and it was a weird situation because, you know, we, you know, sent our money, you know, to Canada. We talked to a person that was at the shipping plant, you know, like getting it all done in Canada. And then they were like, okay, in October, they were like, your, your test presses are done. Uh, they'll, they'll be overnight shipped from Czech Republic. And we got worried. Oh, that's the pirate like, press, oh, press place. Yeah. It? Was that the pirates press plan? I bet. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. That place in the Czech Republic is the biggest uh, record pressing, pressing plant in the world, and everybody contracts to them. So, yeah, mm. Pirates might go there. Precision goes there. A ton of people go there. Um, yep. So uh, we were worried about that because it was like, oh, shit, that means they're going to be shipping, you know, a pallet of records to us from the Czech Republic. That's going to cost a fucking arm and a leg. And who knows if the boat's even going to get here, right? Yeah. So, um so we were a little worried about that. So we contacted them again. We were just like, hey, you know, these came from Czech Republic. Like, you know, we're trying to plan a release show and, you know, like, you know, just keeping shit on our radar. And they were, we were like, do we have to worry about these coming from Europe? And he was like, oh, no, no, no. We just do our test pressing there. And then we and then I guess they really? make the plates there. Yeah, they make the plates there and then they send them to fucking Canada and then they press them in Canada. Oh, huh. so no, I'm kidding. Uh, okay, yes. Do not do not ask me how that ends up being more efficient or economical for the manufacturer, but oh. that's what they did, and we ended up getting our records right in time for our uh, release show, which was a huge success at Metro Gallery in Baltimore, and uh, we were really happy. So, and uh, you know, hearing from you know guys like you that have been collecting records for you know for many years, like it's a big compliment to hear how you know how much you enjoy. Uh, the color choice and the layout and most importantly, the music. So thank you guys. No, it's a nice, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's very nice. It's funny. I'm looking at the cover right now. So you're the one right next to the rat, right? Yeah. I'm holding the beer there with the sunglasses on. So, yeah. And I, I was going to say of the four, of the four guys in the band, you look least likely to be on meth. Yes, that's true. Like myself, like myself, it looks like you prefer a Ruben on rye to meth, but Hey, whatever <laughs> works for you, right? <laughs> Well, you know what? I have to. I yeah, have I'm to, a food dude. I have to ask this too. So, <laughs> so the rat that's in the middle there, 
Is that a is that a Baltimore thing? Because because Ravager's videos all have that rat or have a rat in all their videos. So what's the deal with the so, rat? Yeah, that's a really good question. And uh, Hagen is really into like uh, the art style. He's an incredible illustrator, and the art style that he likes to do is kind of like the uh, horror pop, you know, mm-hmm. from like Universal Monsters, like yeah, those yeah. kinds of eras. And that's where he draws a lot of his inspiration mm. from. So um, he, you know, and like he had drawn rats, you know, and I'd seen them. Um, and it's just kind of something that he would include in flyers and uh, whatever kind of project he was working on that he would show me. And I didn't tell him to draw uh, anything specific. I just said, um, I was like, you know, we need a, you know, a rat that you would draw in your style uh, that, you know, sure. that is maybe wearing like a vest and has got a beer or something. It just doesn't look like the kind of rat that your mother wants you to fucking hang out with. Well, a punk rat and, rat. Uh, yeah. yeah, so he he got exactly what it, I did. He was like, say no more. And then, you know, within a week or two, he sent us the cover. And we were so blown away. I was just like, wow, we didn't need to make a single change. It was just like, damn, dude, you just completely took what was inside my brain and just completely put it on paper. That is incredible. What, uh, so, yeah, that the, was a one shot. <laughs> he nailed it. <laughs> what was the uh, what was the name? What was the, the thing with the name? You guys just kicking that around and you just kind of liked it? Or is this a specific reference to something? The meth I'm, rats. I'm yeah. glad you asked about that. Yeah, yeah, because I almost forgot. Um, so, yeah, so meth rats, that uh, goes way back. So that goes back to when I was living up in Hamden with my soon-to-be, my future ex-wife, uh, when we were dating mm. at the time. Um, and I was working at Guitar Center, actually, and that's where I met Ben, though. And me and Ben would just go to my apartment and uh, just get completely fucking ripped any night of the week for, you know, celebrating to nothing. And uh, we would have a cast of characters that, you know, would, would come through from time to time. And uh, one of them was our buddy Andrew, who was a scientist. So you got these totally irresponsible musician dudes uh, that have nothing better to do except get high and record and um, and watch dumb TV. Uh, and then you got our responsible friend who right out of college, he used his, you know, his bachelor of science or whatever to, uh, work a, uh, a job contracting for the government over at Aberdeen proving ground, which is, you know, far Northeast, uh, corner of Baltimore, probably, you know, outside of Baltimore, I think it's in like Harford County. And when he would come over, we would pick his brain, uh, and be like, you know, what kind of, what kind of shit did you do at work today, man, Mr. Uh, government contracted scientist? And he told us, and I'll never forget it. He told us, um, uh, he was like, uh, we're doing this. Uh, we're doing now, by the way, he's also getting high with us. <laughs> so the scientist, uh, you know, would, would, you know, rip the bong and then uh, tell us about his day. And he was like, uh, yeah, we're doing this fucked up experiment right now where we got to keep these rats up 24 hours a day. So we're injecting them with methamphetamine. And they're just like complete. They're completely jacked up. Twenty four hours a day, they don't go to sleep. They run. They don't sit down. Luckiest rats ever. Yeah, I know, right? And uh, so from that point, like, and I, geez, what year was that? That was probably like two thousand six, two thousand seven, maybe at the latest. Oh, like more than ten uh, years before the pandemic. <laughs> dude, yes. And I said, I said, if I ever do just a straight ahead, uh, you know, hardcore or punk band, I was like, it's going to be called Meth Rats. So when me and Ben got together. Um, we kind of got together, uh, just in the, you know, like just as a, uh, a product of, of the environment lately, you know what I mean? There was just so much to be mad about, um, you know, Donald Trump and his dick bag family, you know, like things that, you know, I pay way too much attention to a politics and, um, you know, there's just a lot to be mad about in that, that presidency. 
and uh, that's kind of what stemmed I, I, it last all. Time I, last time I last time I checked, most of it's still valid. But, yeah, know, the presidency didn't fix a lot of it, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, man. So it was just a, you know a tumultuous time for everybody, and uh, you know that's kind of why the yeah. band came together. So of course. I mean, there was no talk about what the name was going to be. It's like, this is called, this is going was, to be called Death uh, Rap. Yeah, before we even wrote a single tune. So, um, yeah, well, so that's and, how it came and, about. And, There's an ad relevant gonna, story. If you're going to call your band Meth Rats, too, it has to have a certain amount of aggression. It's not like you can, you know, not like you're going to play Dave Matthews style or something, like where you're saying. <laughs> no way. Strum <laughs> no your way. acoustic, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's, what, uh, and that's why I couldn't have, uh, you know, Disarmor couldn't be called Meth Rats. Um, so yeah, so I just, I be sat on that forever and then, uh, yeah, finally it just came to fruition all naturally. So tell me, Neil, do we have two songs left? Just one, just one song. Oh, left, just one friend. song. Yep. Unless we want to play the well, whole better, album, but you know. <laughs> well, then we better, so we played five already. Okay. Then we better let, turn it over to Justin. And if he has something else he'd like to say, some words of wisdom, something that we forgot because, you know, we don't write questions down and we're not organized. Did we yeah. miss anything, Justin? Is there anything else you'd no, like to I share think... with our mil- our millions of internet listeners? <laughs> um, no, not specifically, man. I think that this was a really good conversation, and everything came out really naturally. And uh, yeah, it was nice. You know, it was, it'll it be was informative good to talk for anybody that's interested. And yeah, well, man. Um, let me let me say, let me help you out a bit here. People will dig when, let, women's bodies are their like fucking the choice. <laughs> people who dig the heavier stuff will like this record. It's 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 a banger, man. Like I said, fifteen minutes, twelve songs, just. Well, definitely. Let me um, let me help you out like a bit. I would like to wrap up with just uh, you know, women's bodies are their choice. Uh, the Supreme Court is fucking bullshit. Uh, you know, fuck Donald Trump. Stay strong and resist all that shit as it starts to wave back up again, um, because those guys aren't going away anytime soon. So keep your head on a swivel and uh, keep paying attention to the Baltimore Bunk and hardcore scene and beyond, because uh, there's a lot of good shit coming out. So okay. and thank you very very much for having me on. Well, let me let me help well, you cool, out a bit. You know, hold on, hold on. Let me let, let, yeah, let me let me go help ahead. out here. Um, <laughs> Justin, where can where can people find uh, Meth Rats the album and any T-shirts and stuff like that? Where can they find that kind of stuff from you? And uh, uh, and you've got any gigs coming up? Let's 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 yeah, let's, yeah. let's pimp some stuff. Yeah, there so you go, uh, See, you're, all of you're our, such a good promoter. Yeah, you're so much better at this than I am too. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, we have all of our merch on Bandcamp. Uh, so there is uh, some limited vinyl still left, uh, and we also have uh, according some to your Bandcamp. According to your Bandcamp, it's 22 copies. So don't sleep on this, kids. Where yeah, yeah, up? those are the ones. That's what's left out of the copies that we allotted to online sales. So the rest that we're okay. trying to keep them for when we play. Um, so you can still grab them gotcha. at shows. Um, we just don't want our merch table to be empty. We ended up selling a lot more records uh, immediately than we thought we would. Um, so that's a good thing, good problem to have. Uh, but that merch is sure. on there. We have long sleeve tees. We have uh, short sleeve tees uh, with the Beach Mitch design. Um, and we also have trigger finger tapes available. Uh, and then shows, yeah, we're, we're definitely, we stay active. So this week... Um, we will be playing Friday uh, the 13th at uh, Lamondo Arts in Baltimore. It's an art space. Um, and we will be playing with some rad bands from D.C., New York, and locals. Uh, we'll also be playing uh, in Frederick, Maryland the following night at a place called The Rat Hole. That's going to be a house show. Ask the Punk for the address. And then uh, the following week, we're really stoked to be making our debut in Hell. So we're playing Hell, which is one of the hottest new DIY spots in the D.C. area, um, and it's ran mm-hmm. by a guy named Danny Grishka from the band Grishka. 
Um, they rule. Uh, definitely check them out if you're into uh, techie grind, um, extreme music. Um, and we're really stoked to play his venue with our buddies in School Drugs from New Jersey uh, on Saturday. I believe that's the 21st. So, yeah, come on and check us out. And then, of course, we'll be playing with the Queers at Baltimore Soundstage on uh, June 23rd. I've been hearing a lot about the School Drugs. I better check them out. Yeah, they rule. Uh, you know, absolutely love them. They're one of my favorite bands that uh, that I've discovered over the past several years. They're just awesome. So definitely give them a listen. Well, listen, man. Yeah, everybody check this out. Buy, yeah, buy, buy the last copies of that record so that it can the collector value can soar. <laughs> yeah, throw, throw it on <laughs> your yeah. and just talk, talk about how you're one of the only one of 300 that have it. Well, you know what? The only thing that bothers me on the Discogs page is it doesn't have the. It's it's like you only did the one variant, right? The clear and the blue. Correct. Yeah. If we do a repress, we'll do a different color. Yeah, it doesn't have the color. It just says it's just so you. If it doesn't have a color, you assume it's black. So, I don't know yeah, how to change so that. I would, somebody, I would fix yeah, it if I could. Edit I that really, or something. Yeah. I really don't know how to use computers, and I certainly <laughs> don't want to get into it with Discogs. Anytime I go to Discogs, I buy something. So, anyway. Yeah, dude. Stay Listen, man. It was awesome to meet you. We appreciate hey, you coming hold on. Hold on. Before we, uh, you... Tom, you're getting ahead of yourself, oh, buddy. I'm sorry, Neil. I'm sorry. Because we have one more song to play. That's right. Yes. We have... Uh, so the song... The last song is going to be called Aspartame. So, uh, ah, yeah. I mean, I assume this one is fairly, uh, you know, self-explanatory. But why don't you uh, just tell us uh, why you wrote this one? Yeah. So this one... Uh, yeah, the lyrics are kind of on the nose. This is just about our uh, chemical dependency here in the world. Um, uh, all the way down to what we ingest. So um, why drink water when you could drink a Diet Coke? You know, that's kind of the American way, and the American way tends to bleed into other cultures, and that's kind of what it's about. Um, it's about the immediate turn to chemical dependency uh, when it's the easiest way out. All right. So uh, let's listen to Aspartame, the last one tonight, and then we'll come back and say our goodbyes. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, Meth Rats with Aspartame. Ew. the last one from meth rats tonight that was aspartame and uh dude now, thanks thanks for coming was, on i think i th- i think that is the catchiest probably you talk about melody because you're not a band that has a ton of melody if you do it subtle and it's quick you know that's that's right. probably the catchiest song on the record i think 
Well, thank you. Yeah, um, that definitely has, the, definitely has the most melody. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's kind of like a curveball. You know, that's the thing with meth rap. It's like we never want to be uh, – Aspartame is one of the songs that I wanted to play tonight um, because uh, we never want to be pigeonholed into, like, one genre um, of punk. So we kind of – like, the whole rule of the band is, like, we just play whatever the fuck we want, um, and we just try to do it as well as possible. And when we do that, people tend to enjoy it. So uh, Aspartame is definitely a good example of, of us trying to think outside the box of bands that would typically sound like some of our other songs. Cool. You know, it's, inter- it's interesting, you know, when I get a new record, when I, I always, like, when I put it away, it's always interesting between what, what records, what bands' records go between. So Meth Rats slides right between, take a guess. Metallica and the Misfits. Okay. Ooh, what a sweet I don't. Spot. I don't mind that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, what a sweet, yeah. what a sweet spot, huh? Kind of like Kill 'Em All and Justice for All, Metallica. Yeah. Th- yeah. I don't have any of the newer stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. There's no load in there. Don't worry. My contain. My, yeah. my collection's not contained. <laughs> no, that's a that's a really cool. I've never heard that comparison, but uh, I will accept that gladly. So yeah. I remember cool, I got right? a different one a while back, and I couldn't remember what it was, but it was like, wow, it goes right between like the dead boys and the dead Kennedys or something, or, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, when you definitely like, all dead, influences, uh, all of those are influences. Pretty much. So pretty yep. much. So anyway, all right, throw listen, it all now, in a pot and see what sticks. There you go. All right, Neil, now we're going to try again, right now. We're going to try to wrap it up. There you go. <laughs> you <got one> last <laughs> I'll question. let you do it now. Yeah. Let's do it. Step on me one more time. No, huh? well, huh? dude, I want, he wanted to, he, you know, no, I wanted just, him to get the plugs in, you know, I just, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it was nice to meet you, Justin. I hope yep. we can, uh, we make our way over. I hope we can catch a catch you guys live, or maybe you can come like halfway to us or something. I know you can't come all the way to like Chicago, but maybe you can like come to like Ohio or something. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's all within the the weekend routes that we're typically doing. We're slowly growing our way out. Um, but really, when you when you remove the pandemic time, which was just a suck hole, black hole of time, um, yeah, we haven't been a band that long. Um, so we're still growing our roots and still getting out there. We're still relatively new, so we'd be happy to come up to Michigan and play for you guys over a weekend um, oh, so, okay. in Chicago as well. So we'll, we'll make it out there for sure. Don't you worry. Sounds good, man. Hey, good luck to you, and, uh, yeah, we'll catch up down the road at some point. Yeah. Guys, thanks. It was an honor being on the uh, show, and, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of you guys, and, uh, you know, it, it was a special thing, so thank you from the bottom it of my It was fun, man. We, it was fun. We enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks so much for yeah. coming on, man. That, that, that was great. And, uh, yeah, so everybody uh, keep a little mark in your heart and uh, stay free. Tom? We'll smell you next time. Smell you later, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Later. Water, die. So many records are divine.